Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. everybody welcome to today's episode of professional book nerds podcast presented by overdrive this is adam joined by jill jill how's it going good how are you good as you just mentioned before i started recording we both have all the meetings today all of them all of them them. that's okay none of you care about that because you are here for our september book preview because time is relentless and it's september next week so if you're new to the podcast Every month, Jill and I uh, basically preview the books we are most excited about that are coming out in the upcoming month. Uh, We go back and forth. We don't tell each other our lists, though we've gotten pretty good over the years at sort of knowing what's an Adam book and what's a Jill book, um, of which I think there were a lot of both this month. Yes. Um, You don't need to worry about writing any of the books down that we're talking about. They will be in the show notes. And then we'll also put them, of course, on our social medias all over the place, which is at ProBookNerds on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And then you can email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com if you want more book recommendations. But there's a whole I, there's a whole bunch. How many did you pick this month? I forced myself to stop at eight. I think. Let's see. Let's see. Actually, wait. Did you put that book that you sent me on your list? I did not. Then I have nine. Okay, so you have nine. I have 10. I'm certain that at least one of them will be on both of our lists, but I was just doing my due diligence to make sure it was talked about if one of us didn't. Um, I technically have a 10th, but it's a it's a cookbook from a person on like uh, Instagram that I very much like. So it'll take like two seconds to talk about. But um, would you like to start then? Um, I'm going to start with, nope, you know, we'll start with this one. I'm going to start with Matrix by Lauren Groff. Um, y'all, Lauren Groff. She is amazing. I know this because I interviewed her. So that will be coming. But um, she is, of course, the author of Fates and Furies. And she is back with a historical fiction novel called Matrix, which is about um, a girl named Marie who is 17. And she is sent to um, England to be um, basically like she's sent to an abbey in uh, the, I can't remember the exact year this is set. I should remember that, but it's a, t- it's the Royal court time of like Eleanor of Aquitaine. And so it's, it's very old historical fiction. And, um, and so Marie sort of starts this new life now working in an abbey and it is based on a, um, a, how do I put this? Um, there was a person known during that time as, as Marie de France. And she wrote poems and she was known as a poet and no one really knows a lot about her though. And so this is sort of Lauren Groff's kind of idea, um, interpretation of, of who Marie de France was. And it's so good because it's Lauren Groff, obviously. Um, and it's historical fiction and it's, you know, Eleanor of Aquitaine time and it's, it's, it's the best. And it's called Matrix. 
my first one is The Corpse Queen by Heather M. Herman. I was sent a copy of this and it was one of those where like I saw the cover and admittedly didn't even like read what it was about when I asked for the book. I was like, yes, I would like a, a physical copy of that, please. Uh, so The Corpse Queen, this is such a wonderful book. Um, so our main character's name is Kitty and Kitty's best friend mysteriously dies. Uh, orphaned 17-year-old Molly Green is uh, sent away to live with her quote-unquote aunt. Uh, she doesn't think that she has any actual like relations so she's like I must be being sold as like a maid or something but when she gets there she realizes not only does she have an aunt but her aunt is extremely wealthy and extremely secretive uh and Molly basically her aunt like reveals to her that the way that she (laughs) built her empire and this is not a spoiler this all happens very early uh she built her empire by robbing graves and selling the corpses to medical students who need bodies to practice surgical procedures um and she went like Molly basically ends up helping her and learns all of the like tricks of this trade. But also like as she's exploring the house throughout the day, there's like all these secretive wild things going on in this like Gothic mansion. Uh, it is so much fun. It is so creepy. It is so good. Uh, it's blurbed by Carrie Maniscalco who did stalking Jack the Ripper, which makes sense because these books are mm-hmm. definitely like, mm-hmm. I can see them being like cousins. Uh, so that's the corpse queen by Heather M. Herman. Um, my next one is Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead. That was the one that I had to just to be safe. Okay. Uh, yeah, y'all, Colson Whitehead's written like a heist book set in the 1960s in Harlem. I mean, I like all of those words. Those are good words. Put together. Heists are my favorite. Um, so this is about uh, Ray and he, um, you know, is in Harlem and he sort of his cousin Freddie pulls him in for um, different jobs and one is coming up is a um, Freddie's crew plans to rob the Hotel Teresa which is known as the Waldorf of Harlem and volunteers raise services as the fence the heist doesn't go as planned they rarely do I mean well unless you're like the Oceans Boys but whatever so now Ray <laughs> has a new clientele one made up of shady, shady cops, vicious local gangsters, two-bit pornographers, and other assorted Harlem lowlifes. Thus begins the internal tussle between Ray the Driver and Ray the Crook. Um, again, Colson White has written a heist book set in Harlem in the 1960s. I mean. What an awesome thing. I just, I love how, I imagine him going to his publisher and being like, so you know how I do like these real heavy historical fiction with like, kind of a little bit of like magic in them sometimes like yeah he's like i'm gonna do a heist this time you know what though i have no doubt that that plays into this as well like oh yeah for sure i have no doubt that there's going to be some kind of uh something like yeah Yeah. at the end of the description it's a family saga masquerading as a crime novel a hilarious morality play a social novel about race and power and ultimately a love letter to harlem yeah yes please that all sounds delightful what a wonderful human um my next one is The Book of Form and Emptiness by Ruth Ozeki. Uh, this is, so one year after the death of his beloved musician father, 13-year-old Benny O begins to hear voices. And these voices belong to things in his house. So like a broken Christmas ornament or a piece of wilted lettuce. Although Benny doesn't understand what these things are saying, he can sense their emotional tone. Some of them are pleasant, gentle, 
uh, but others are snide and angry, full of pain. And when his mother, Annabelle, develops a hoarding problem, as you may imagine, these voices grow clamorous. Uh, at first, he tries to ignore them, but then he realizes that like, when he goes outside, everything outside is still talking to him as well. So he goes to the best possible place when you're trying to escape noise. He goes to a large public library where objects are well-behaved and know to speak in whispers. Uh, but there he discovers a strange new world. He falls in love with a mesmerizing street art artist with a smug pet ferret who uses the library as her performance space. He meets a homeless philosopher poet who encourages him to ask important questions and find his own voice amongst the many. And he meets his very own book, a talking thing who narrates Benny's life and teaches him to listen to the things that truly matter. This sounds like an adult version of Neverending Story and I'm so here for it. Also like the Page Master. It feels like a mix of Page mm. Master and the Neverending Story. And long-time listeners will know we are a page master supportive podcast. So sure um, are, sure are. That's the book of form and emptiness by Ruth Ozeki. My next book is Rock Paper Scissors by Alice Feeney. Y'all, okay. So if you have been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you are aware that we love Alice Feeney, um, and she writes thrillers. I will keep you guessing, and I can confirm, having read an advanced copy of this, that this will keep you guessing. It is um, about Em and Amelia. They um, went a weekend away to Scotland, which is probably what their marriage needs. Things have been a little tricky. Um, and Adam also has face blindness, so he can't really recognize people. Um, and so it's their anniversary trip. But when they get there to this, like, cabin thing um in scotland or this like where they're staying they realize things are not quite what they seem things seem odd um and it's so good and so yeah rock paper scissors and the title kind of comes from a little bit um they give each other traditional gifts every year um like wedding anniversary like paper and all that stuff and it's just oh god it's so good so that's rock paper scissors by alice feeney uh, my next if you manage is... to guess the ending of this, I'll be very impressed. <laughs> but like legitimately will be very impressed because yeah. I did not. <laughs> uh, my next one is Burden Falls by Cat Ellis. Cat uh, Ellis wrote uh, Harrow Lake, which was one of my favorite books of 2020. And it was a really good, scary book. Uh, this is another spooky horror. Cat Ellis is a phenomenal i love everything that cat has done um so the book takes place in burden falls and burden falls has this cursed waterfall and the curse is like that it has there's this girl named dead-eyed sadie who everyone thinks is like a specter who haunts it and there's this character ava who grew up beside the falls and her both of her parents died uh, a year before the book starts and she gets like plagued by these nightmares in which sadie comes to life um and Ava feels like she's never going to wake up. And then someone close to Ava is murdered and she becomes the prime suspect. And she's like, wait, is this coming? Is this like coming from my dreams? Is Sadie real? What's going on? And so she has to figure out like the secret behind Sadie and what's going on in this creepy town. So it's, it's a dark, mysterious town with a dark, mysterious secret. Uh, love a small town spooky book. And that's oh, yeah. very much in line with Harrow Lake was the, kind of the same way. So that's Burden Falls by Cat Ellis. Okay, my next one is The Lost Girls by Sonia Hartle. This is the one that Adam sent me. Y'all, I can't. It is. Okay. 
it's so it's so ludicrous I had but this it's so amazing so this is yeah. about Holly and Holly has been stuck with crim tear since 1987 when she agreed to let her boyfriend Elton turn her into a vampire um but then he ditches her at a gas station a few decades into their eternity together and she realizes that being young forever actually means working graveyard shifts at Taco Bell, sleeping in CD motels, and being supernaturally compelled to follow your ex from town to town, at least until Holly meets Elton's other exes. Because this vampire goes around turning other like girls into vampires and then ditching them. And so now all the ex-vampire girlfriends are getting together <laughs> because he's got a new girl and they got to stop him before... <laughs> Like, it, it's seriously like Scott Pilgrim versus the world, but vampire ladies. Vampire ladies who all were turned into a vampire by the same shady vampire boyfriend are now getting together to kill that boyfriend before he turns another lady into a vampire. It's so, so good. It sounds it's so good. So good. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, what's the name of it again for everyone who may not have heard that through us being so happy about it? The Lost Girls. Like the lost boys, but girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this has every possibility of being my clown in a cornfield for this year, just like the wonderfully named, absurd, incredible, kind of spooky fall book. Um, my next one is A Calling for Charlie Barnes by Joshua Ferris. Um, so someone is telling the story of the life of Charlie Barnes and it doesn't appear to be going well. Too often divorced, discontent with life's compromises and in a house he hates, this lifelong schemer and eternal romantic would like, uh, would like out of his present circumstances and into the American dream. But when the twin calamities of the Great Recession and, can- and a cancer scare come along to compound his troubles, his dreams dwindle further and an infinite past full of forking paths quickly tapers to a black dot. Then against all odds, something goes right for a change. Charlie is granted a second act. With help from his storyteller son, he surveys the facts of his life and finds his true calling where he least expects it. In a sacrifice that re, uh, rebounds with selflessness and love and at last becoming the man his son always knew he could be. Um, so it's a very, uh, one of the things I adore, a small relationship story um, about, and this one's about a son and uh, a father and them coming together. So very, very excited for this. It looks really, really, I feel like it's going to break my heart, but in the best possible way. That's A Calling for Charlie Barnes by Joshua Ferris. The next one is A Lot Like Adios by Alexis Daria. I loved, loved, loved Alexis Daria's um, you, ha- you Had Me at Ola. And so I'm very excited for A Lot Like Adios. This is about, this is a second chance romance, which I'm all about. It's about Michelle. Um, she is a graphic designer. She's got a great life. She's good, um, being single, even though her like Puerto Rican Italian family, she's like obsessed with everyone getting married. She's like, no, I'm cool. Um, besides the only guy who ever actually kind of made her want to happily ever after disappeared 13 years ago. And then of course he comes back because it's a second chance romance. So Gabe runs a gym franchise. He is out in LA um, and they want to open a branch in New York and unbeknownst to him, Michelle was brought in to sort of spearhead the marketing campaign. And so they're kind of like thrown together in this and there are old feelings, but they're also like, I'm not sure I can trust you and all that fun stuff that we love about second chance romances. Um, so yeah, that's a lot like adios by Lux Daria. Nice. Uh, my next one is The Inheritance of Orquida Divina by Zoraida Cordova. Uh, she's going to yell at me if I mispronounced 
Orkita Divina, but I think I got it right. Uh, so this is really, really fun. I love this so much. It's like, it's kind of like Clue sort of, but it's also like, um, oh shoot, oh, like Knives Out a little bit. It's So what happens is there's this family and they're the, Mon the Montoyas and um, they get a letter that invites them to Orkita Divina's funeral to collect their inheritance and this is like kind of the matriarch of their family tree and they hope to learn like what secrets she held on to but instead they just end up having more questions and seven years later um, her gifts have kind of manifested into these different types of magic and things for the various people in the family um, but then a, a hidden figure begins like murdering people in their family tree and like picking them off one by one trying to destroy Arkita's line so what ends up happening is four members of the family gather together and they go to Ecuador, which is where Orkita is from, and try to uncover the secrets. And it it's really interesting because it alternates between present day and Orkita's past. And um, so obviously it's all about like family and inheritance, but it's also um, a lot of magic going on and a lot of like mystery. It's just, it's so fun. And Zoraida is just such a wonderful writer. So that is The Inheritance of Orkita Divina by Zoraida Cordova. The next one is Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Doerr. Okay, okay. First, the cover, this is absolutely phenomenal. Just throwing that out there. We should not judge a book by its cover, but I'm judging this one positively. Second, <laughs> second, this is about, we all love books about books. This is a book about a book. This is set in multiple timelines. There is Constant Constantinople in the 15th century, a small town in present day Idaho and on an interstellar ship decades from now. And throughout this, these stories about these characters, there's 13 year old Anna, who is an orphan living inside of the walls of Constantinople. There is, um, Omir, a village boy who runs like his path crosses with her 500 years after that there's a library in idaho where octogenarian zeno who, who um learned greek as a prisoner of war and is rehearsing children in a play adaptation of a book that anna had first discovered back in constantinople um so this book kind of keeps going through these centuries and kind of this through line through this um this book and i'm i'm just so excited who doesn't love a book about books? And they get like, I got a book that's like Constantinople and a spaceship. Like, come on, the same book that crosses all of that. Who doesn't it, love that? It's also if um, Anthony Dewar wrote um, All the Light We Cannot See. And if you're a fan of a big book, they sent they sent me a copy of this a while back. It is a um, like a doorstop book. It is a, a honker, as our friend Mallory would call a big book. It's a big old book. It's a really good book to get lost into. So yeah, that's a great one. Um, my next one is No Gods, No Monsters by Cadwell Turnbull, um, previous guest on the show, Cadwell Turnbull, who wrote The Lesson, which was really, really fantastic. Um, but No Gods, No Monsters is all about uh, Lena, who gets the news that her brother was shot and killed by Boston police one day. Um, and they think it's obviously another case of police brutality. And then they, what ends up happening is way stranger. Uh, they discover that monsters are real and monsters want everyone to know that they exist. And they are at the root of a ton of like global protests and violence and suicides all around the world. Um, and it's these creatures that, that we all recognize from myths and legends. They start coming out of the shadows 
Um, and they like literally want to be visible. And a lot of them are like, Hey, we actually just like want to be seen. We're not dangerous, but then there's other ones who are wildly dangerous. So there's, um, there's like lo a local werewolf pack who's threatened into silence. There is a secret society all about, uh, who are pro monsters who are trying to help them and they're helping them seek refuge. And there's all these things going on that it's like, what is real? What is, or not what, what is real, what is safe? What is dangerous? And, um, you know, who can they trust? And it's super interesting. And the way that Cadwell writes is it's really, really unique. And so if you, if you read uh, the lesson, I think you'll really, really enjoy this one. So it's no gods, no monsters by Cadwell Turnbull. Okay. My next one is called never saw me coming by Vera Kurian. Okay. Y'all, <laughs> we know that I love, well, there's like one type of book that I love and that, that is murder on a small campus or an educational institution of some variety with like, you know, small group of people who are usually suspect. Throw in, so that's what this is, okay. The, the twist though, is that the small group is a group of seven students at a DC-based college who are part of an unusual clinical study. They are all psychopaths. And so this, oh yeah. So this is about, this is Chloe. Chloe is a freshman honor student and she's also a psychopath. And she spends her time on yoga, frat parties and plotting to kill this kid, Will, a childhood friend who grievously wronged her. And she is part of this unusual clinical study. And it's led by a renowned psychologist. He is required, who, um, led by a renowned psychologist who requires them to wear smart watches that track their moods and movements. And then one of the students in this study is found murdered in the psychology building. And so now we, now we're in it. We are in it now because we got, <laughs> we got a dead body <laughs> on an educational campus. Only this time, the small group is psychopaths. So like they wrote this for you, right? I know. <laughs> yeah. So that is never saw me coming by Vera Korean. Oh man. That sounds awesome. Uh, my next one is summer suns by Lee Mandelo. Uh, you should look up the cover of this one and look, it's so cool. Um, so summer suns is a sweltering, sweltering queer Southern Gothic. Uh, so Andrew and Eddie did everything together. They were best friends, bonded more deeply than brothers until Eddie left Andrew behind to start his graduate program at Vanderbilt. Six months later, only days before Andrew was to join him in Nashville, Eddie dies of an apparent suicide. He leaves Andrew a horrible inheritance, a roommate he doesn't know, friends he never asked for, and a gruesome phantom that hungers for him. As Andrew searches for the truth of Eddie's death, he uncovers the lies and secrets left behind by the person he trusted most, discovering a family history soaked in blood and death. Whirling between the backstabbing academic world where Eddie spent his days and the circle of hot boys, fast cars, and hard drugs that ruled Eddie's nights, the walls Andrew has built against the world begin to crumble, and there's something awful lurking waiting for those walls to to fall sounds so good summer suns by lee mandelo um my next one is fuzz by mary roach and mary roach of course is one of those um authors who write sort of like micro histories of certain topics and in this case she is writing about um so the timeline of this book or the subtitle is when nature breaks the law so I'm all in on this one. So what's to be done about a jaywalking moose or a bear caught breaking and entering a murderous tree? I, I have so many questions about a murderous tree, 
Like, is this the Whomping Willow? Like, what are we talking about here? Like, how is a tree murderous? I don't understand. Anyway, so um, 300 years ago, animals that broke the law would be assigned legal representation and put on trial. Uh, okay. You know what, Mary? You got me. I'm sold. Um, so, the, so in that way that she does, she sort of, you know, tags along with people in the field, in this case, animal attack forensic investigators, human elephant conflict specialists, bear managers, and danger tree faller blasters. Oh, now I understand. Okay. So, <laughs> so intrepid as ever, she travels from Leper to terrorize Hamlets in the Indian Himalaya to St. Peter's Square in the early hours before the Pope arrives for Easter Mass when vandal gulls swoop in to destroy the elaborate floral display. I mean, come on. Mary Roach is talking about when wildlife goes wrong and I am here for it. So that is buzz. And it also has a very fun cover as well. It does have a very fun cover. I'm going to, this one's not technically a new, new release, but I want people to know about it because it's Sylvia Marina Garcia, Certain Dark Things. So Certain Dark Things came out in 2016, but it's being re-released now. And it's being released for the, what seems like the first time like on Overdrive's platform. So I just checked Libby and you couldn't, like right now you can just place a hold on it because it's not out yet. It comes out September 7th. Um, but Sylvia Miranda Garcia, as if you've listened, uh, Mexican Gothic was one of Jill's favorite books of last year. Um, she did, she wrote Gods of Jade and, and Shadow. Velvet was the night came out, I think like literally last month. Mm-hmm. Um, but Certain Dark Things, I'm not going to like go through the actual description. It is a book about Aztec vampires. I feel like I don't need to tell you anything else. It has an incredible cover, but it's back in print and therefore being promoted. And now it's also available on Libby. So it's certain dark things. So if you like Sylvia Miranda Garcia, definitely, definitely, definitely read this one if you haven't read it yet. Um, the other one I just want to talk about really quickly. I don't know if anyone's heard of the name Joshua Weissman, but he's a really, really popular chef on YouTube and Instagram and also TikTok and all these other places. He has a book. He has a, a cookbook coming out called An Unapologetic Cookbook. And his whole thing is like, if you want to make good food, like he he hates the whole like thing where everyone's just like, you can make this meal in 2.3 seconds with one ingredient. He's like, if you want to make really good meals, sometimes it's gonna take time and that's okay. And you that shouldn't be a reason to not make these meals. So he has a, a new cookbook coming out with really, really awesome meals that he's like, you know, you're gonna have most of this stuff in your house, but if you don't, it's okay to go out and buy some of these things and take time to like cook these meals. And he just, the way that he does his videos on Instagram and YouTube and stuff, they're really creative and fun. And he doesn't take cooking like super seriously, but he also was like worked in a Michelin star sushi restaurant. So like he has like all this talent, but then he'll just be like, he'll do one all about a fancy like poke bowl, but then he'll be like, and here's how to make French fries like Wendy's. Like he'll just like, like he'll do back and forth. So Joshua Weissman has a new cookbook out. So if you are interested in, in cookbooks, his is really, really good. This is my last one. This is Vanderbilt by Anderson Cooper. Um, So Anderson Cooper, if you are not aware, comes from the very famous line of the Vanderbilt family. And he has written this um, with historian Catherine Howe to explore his legendary family and sort of the history of who they are, where they came from, um, the rise and fall of their dynasty. And I am... So excited. I, I love Anderson Cooper. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, you know, again, like American dynasty family, um, they, in, they have a house in, um, which I'm 
in, in Newport, Rhode Island, where you have all like the very, very big fancy mansions, um, theirs was the Breakers, which I'm pretty sure I've been to when I went to Newport. I feel like my mom would have made us go. So um, like, it's a, it's a big, it's a big family with a lot of money and a lot of um, history. And I'm, I'm very excited about, about this. Plus it's Anderson Cooper and who doesn't love Anderson Cooper on that subject in a very completely unrelated way, but I'm going to pitch it anyway. Um, the very best reality TV show ever all time is the mole hosted by a pre CNN Anderson Cooper. And it's now on Netflix and you should go watch it. Oh my God. The mole. I forgot about the mole. It's on Netflix people. I bought the DVD like six months ago and now it's on Netflix, but that's okay. Cause I have it for all time. Shout but out yeah, to it's... you for buying a DVD in 2021. That's amazing. <laughs> but I really wanted to watch it and it wasn't streaming anywhere, but now it is on Netflix. And there are like rumors, there are rumors that they're filming a new season of a show very much like The Mole, but not calling it The Mole in Australia. And I'm all here for it because it really is the best reality TV show of all time. And it's way ahead of its time, which is why I don't think it did very well. <laughs> I kind of just want to say I podcast. will. No, <laughs> I'm going to have an entire podcast. <gasps> I have a podcast about The Mole. <laughs> yeah, you, you should. It sounds like it's good timing. Oh my goodness gracious. Oh, that's so funny. I love The Mole so much. I don't even care that I like know who the mole is when I watch it. I don't care. I love it. I like after I bought the so I bought the DVD, I watched season one on the DVD. They didn't have the other streaming, but I found it on YouTube. So then I watched season two on YouTube, which is not a great way to watch any TV show, especially one from like the 2000s. And so it's just like terrible, terrible um resolution. Mm-hmm. And then I started watching some like the international versions. Like I love them all so much. And just the fact that it's Anderson Cooper before he was like really Anderson Cooper is just delightful because he like, especially in the first season, nobody knew what was happening. Like like, they didn't really know what was going on. He didn't even know what was going on. There's like one episode where he gets like drunk with them. And so like, it's just, it's, it is sublime. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. It's small. Oh man. I want let the record show everyone. Um, you're your podcast listening app didn't just speed up just there. It was just Joe being so excited to talk about the mole. I seriously, I'm, I apologize, you guys, if you cannot understand a single word of that, because oh. I love the mole so much. I cannot even put into words how much I love the mole. And I got so excited when it was on Netflix, even though I had just literally watched it on DVD because I had just bought it just a couple months before. That's so funny. So- um i'm glad that i'm out of books because i don't feel like I, I like wouldn't want to be like oh also here's one more book to talk about but um, i mean also go you know like anderson cooper vanderbilt go read his book like i'm gonna read this are you kidding me Please. <laughs> yeah um i will say because i know we have listeners all around the world if you are listening in from australia or new zealand starting on september 1st our together we read um a national book club but it's two nations so a book club for both New Zealanders and Australians is kicking off September 1st through September 15th. It's just like our big library read in the sense that you can read the same book at the same time. No waitlist, no holds. The book is Scrublands by Chris Hammer, which was an international bestseller. Uh, Chris will be on the podcast on Monday. I interviewed him earlier this week. Uh, lovely human being. I know that a lot of people on our Australian team are really, really excited for all of that. So uh, really cool. And even if you aren't in Australia and New Zealand, definitely listen to the podcast on Monday because Scrublands is available all over the place. I borrowed it from our library. Um, it's a very, very popular crime thriller. If you are a fan of, um, you know, mystery investigation type books, if you like, like Michael Connelly or uh, Lee Child or Harlan Coben books, all those people who previously on the podcasts, uh, you will love Scrublands. So 
if you see that come up on your podcast app on Monday, still listen to it, even if you aren't in those countries, because really good book. And I think you'll very much enjoy the conversation. Um, anything else going on that people should know about? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Okay. Well, that is our September preview. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.